Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen. I'm going to be your host for the next hour, and this is uh, episode 73 of the Canadians Connection Podcast. The Hey, do you remember that Brendan Gallagher wore number 73 edition of the <laughs> Canadians Connection Podcast? And I'm pleased to be joined, as always, by the Brendan Gallagher to my Michael Ryder, Mr. Rick Stevens. Uh, how's it going today, Rick? I'm doing great, thanks. And and yes, I do remember when Brendan Gallagher wore 73 <laughs> and as well the Pride of Bonavista, Newfoundland, Michael yep. Ryder. Um, uh, one of the few players that that uh, uh, wore that number 73 for not only the Canadians, but for the Boston Bruins. So, yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> a little tough there. But uh, today <laughs> is our Leap Day show. Um, it is. Yeah, February 29th. And uh, so we get to say happy birthday to Henri Richard, um, 84 years old today, or uh, celebrating his 21st birthday, uh, as yep. it turns out, every four years. Um, a winner <laughs> of, of 11 Stanley Cups. Um, you know, one of those, those speedy, skilled centers. Um, and of course, uh, an illustrious career, um, uh, but a very happy birthday. Um, and he, you know, uh, as far as leap days go, there's, uh, as I understand, there's less than a 0.07 chance of being born on leap day, which is just a little bit better than the Montreal Canadians chance of <laughs> making the playoffs. <laughs> Ooh, it had to go there, didn't you? But uh, <laughs> but happy birthday, of course, Henri Richard, and everyone else celebrating their birthdays that only come around every four years uh, on this day. It's great that we uh, get to host a podcast on on the leap day. So Cam Ward great. too. Um, happy birthday to Cam, Cam Ward. Ward. Uh, speaking believe, of the Canadi- uh, the yeah. Hurricanes coming in tonight, uh, yeah, goaltender, uh, former goaltender with uh, the Hurricanes, uh, Cam Ward, uh, yeah. celebrating his thirty sixth. I believe Simone Gagne as well. I saw an Instagram post there earlier today that had uh, Henri Richard, uh, Cam Ward, and, and perhaps Simone Gagne. I'm not, I might not be right on that, I but, I, right. but I, yeah, no, I, I think, think I am. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So those three guys, happy birthday to them and everyone else celebrating. And just to go back to, uh, to Brendan Gallagher, do you think that he got a nice Rolex like uh, Brett Kulak did out of the <laughs> uh, jersey swap back when he was a rookie? <laughs> wow. I mean, hey, who knows? Uh, but anyways, um, we will uh, we'll go on here on this podcast. Uh, it's going to be a jam-packed show. Of course, we're coming off of the trade deadline that was just back on Monday and all the things that you know came out of that, the Montreal Canadiens' activity level heading into the deadline and, of course, on deadline day itself. We'll get to those trades and the movement around Montreal. We'll get to some other cool stories that emerged this week. Um, but before we get anywhere, uh, we should probably look at the games that the Montreal Canadiens played this week. And they played three games. Uh, going back to last Saturday, they went to Ottawa, and they beat the Ottawa Senators. 
Uh, Carey Price picking up his 48th career shutout and uh, his fourth on the season. Uh, Max Domi picking up two goals en route to a 3-0 win for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, then, post-trade deadline, uh, they uh, are taking on the Vancouver Canucks and the New York Rangers, and they lose both of those games in rather similar fashion. I mean, you have in the Vancouver game, Paul Byron and Shea Weber getting the halves out off and running to a, with a two-goal lead before the 10 minutes had passed. Um, Travis Green settled down his group with a timeout. Five more goals were scored in that game. Four of them were scored by the Vancouver Canucks, including the OT winner from Tyler Toffoli. Uh, they follow that up, the Montreal Canadiens, with a 5-2 to two loss to the New York Rangers. Max Domi scored early. Tatar doubled their lead in the, uh, in the second period, but the Canadiens allowed the Rangers to come from behind, just like they kind of did on November 23rd earlier this, this season. And, uh, yeah, they surrendered five unanswered goals and uh, lost that one five to two. So, Rick, uh, back a couple of weeks ago, we had a caller on this show named Nick who came on the show and talked about how the Montreal Canadiens have trouble playing with leads. And this was about as good a, a week in terms of backing up that statement. Uh, what did you make out of this week? My goodness, though, um, the, the, the Canadians are, are you know, leading the league in, in all sorts of wrong categories. And whether it's giving up goals in the last two minutes of, of the period um, or on their inability to um, hang on to a lead uh, when leading after two periods. And, and that stat is, is unreal. Um, they have a 643 winning percentage when um, leading after 40 minutes and, and maybe that sounds good to you, but you're leading after 40 minutes and you, you only winning 60% of your games. Um, for example, um, the Carolina hurricanes who are coming in tonight, um, they have a 962 winning percentage when leading, they can shut down teams when they're leading after two periods. Um, and the Canadians just haven't been able to do that. Uh, is it a lack of confidence? Is it a, a fragile team? Is it, um, you know, what is it? And, and that's something that uh, we'll talk about later in uh, the week. But um, it's, it's just been ugly. And particularly um, uh, losing those leads uh, at home, which is, is led to a pretty pitiful uh, Bell Center uh, record this season. Yeah, and I mean that's going to be something that comes up uh, later on in this podcast. But it, it's it's really quite staggering when you look at some of the results that the Montreal Canadiens have had on home ice this year, and the way that they've lost some of these games. And the New York Rangers and the Vancouver Canucks, those are two prime examples of games where the Montreal Canadiens they they get out, they start pretty well, and then for whatever reason. Uh, it just sort of falls apart. Um, and, and we're going to talk about a couple of quotes from Claude Julien a little bit later on in the show. But it is it is rather staggering that the, that they come out and play with that sort of effort, but they aren't able to seal the deal. And where would they be if they were able to even just a handful of these games that they've been losing on home ice, if they were able well, to wh- get them? Where would they be is a good question. And, and Chris G sent me a stat. I don't know where he got this from. Last night he sent me a stat and he said, um, do, do you know that the Canadians would be seventh in the NHL if games ended after 40 minutes? Um, 
which yeah. which I thought was kind of hilarious. I mean, yeah, that's and it sort of backs up what Claude Julian said, but we're going to get to that in, in just a couple of, of minutes. But um, so, Rick, with with all that, we we're we're going to move on a little bit quicker than usual, given the fact that we have so much to talk about from the trade deadline. But there were some really good news stories that came out of this week, and we, we felt that we'd be remiss if we didn't address them. And it's just going back to last week, last Saturday night. And of course, uh, as I'm watching the Montreal Canadiens versus the Ottawa Senators, you can't help as a hockey fan, but notice when the, the Carolina Hurricanes, unfortunately lose two of their goaltenders in one night. Um, Peter Morazic had that, uh, that brutal collision with Kyle Clifford, uh, didn't it looked like it was just purely incidental? Didn't no intention for on on uh, Kyle Clifford's part. But regardless, you lose James Reimer earlier in the game. So where do they go from here? It's a 42 year old backup emergency backup goaltender who drives a Zamboni for the the Toronto Maple Leafs AHL team who comes in and they get out of there with a win somehow. And I can't help but switch back and forth between the Habs and the Leafs and Hurricanes game because of that. Because, man, oh, man, did he capture the imaginations of all sorts of people around the world when he did that. Because this wasn't just a hockey story. This was something that made news all over, you know, all over the world, really. It was it was remarkable. And, I mean, it's just it just goes to show, I mean... You can do anything that you set your mind to. And I don't know who would be upset about. Oh, um, Rick, it looks like we might have a caller on the line. Who oh, might want to chime in. OK, so right. I think he has something to say about this. Go ahead. The Toronto Maple Leafs lost an actual National Hockey League game to a 42-year-old Zamboni driver who works for them. OK, oh, well, um, <laughs> Sincere apologies to our listeners' dogs who may have heard that, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, of course, uh, Steve Dangle who finds all the right words and the right octave to say those words. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, that was a prevailing theme over the course over the you know the fallout of that was the you know everyone else being like, hey, that's a 42 year old backup goaltender and Leafs fans uh, doing that. <laughs> Well, listen, it's it's a tough season for Montreal Canadiens fans. We know it is. We know that the Canadians aren't going to uh, make the playoffs, um, despite what, what their head coach is saying. Um, and, and so we have to take these moments of enjoyment when we can. Um, and, and what a night. And, and yes, I had, I had two games going at the same time. As you said, the Canadians... Um, uh, in Ottawa and, and, uh, and cruising to a victory there. Um, but also uh, this extraordinary story with, with David Ayers and coming in um, and, and, you know, David Ayers gets a lot of credit and, and, and it's an amazing story as he should. Uh, but what a performance by the Carolina hurricanes uh, that yeah. just shut down a pretty high powered offense in the Toronto Maple Leafs in the, the third period. Um, as Rod Brindamore said, um, we played for you pointing at David Ayers after the game and, and you played for us. Um, and, 
you know, you, you just have to be happy for errors, happy that it happened to the Leafs, uh, happy, the, you know, the, the, the also that night was Vancouver spanking the Boston Bruins 9-3. It was just yeah. kind of a, a bit of a perfect storm for Canadians fans. And, and yes, the other teams are going to be able to push it in our face when they're in the playoffs. I, I get, you know, we all get that, but um, it, it, it was a wonderful moment for, for David Ayers. His, his stick goes to the hockey hall of fame. Uh, yeah. Upper deck has announced that there's going to be an official trading card and a young guns rookie card coming out. And um, he, as you said, he was, he was news. He wasn't just, hockey news he wasn't just sports news he was news news yeah uh, and he was appearing on you know all of the the morning shows in the u.s and and uh just inc- incredible story um the only caveat i'll say is when we're finished celebrating uh the nhl really has to and, and we can talk about that at a later date but the nhl has to fix this issue uh, because it's it's wonderful for david Ayers, but it could have gone a whole lot worse. Um, and, uh, you know, who are these goalies? Who are these emergency backups? And, and we saw an interview by the Canadians emergency backup. His name is Anton Marchand, uh, Marchand, sorry. Um, 27 year old, uh, software guy, um, played university hockey and, uh, and he's now waiting for, for his chance. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it's it's uh, it's something that the league will, I'm sure, uh, will address uh, in the off season. Yeah, and that was the part of it too, is that if that goes the other way, the optics are not great that the, the Toronto Maple Leafs beat their own emergency backup goaltender. That was a 42 year old Zamboni driver. That is an employee of the team. It, it wouldn't have looked great on, had it gone the other way. Luckily, it didn't. But yeah, it's still probably yeah. As you say, it needs to be addressed regardless of result. But uh, it would not have looked very good. And I think Kyle Dubas said as much. Was like, <laughs> we were in a lose lose situation because if we lose the game, we lost to a 42 year old Zamboni driver. But if we win the game, then it's it's sort of just an entirely different problem. And uh, yeah, so uh, it turned out that, you know, the 42 year old and the Carolina Hurricanes who played fantastic in front of him uh, got the win. So it was a good news story. But moving on to another really good news story. And this was just a couple of nights ago. uh, Bobby Ryan, man, returning to the Ottawa Senators, returning to the Ottawa Senators uh, on home ice, uh, rather uh, his first game back at home. Since leaving the Senators in November to enter the NHL NHLPA Player Assistance Program uh, for Alcohol Addiction and goodness, um, scored a hat trick uh, after each goal. <laughs> the Sens fans and you know credit to the Sens fans in the middle of a really rough season. They were there and they supported a guy who you know he's 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 been doing this in the public eye. That isn't easy to do. But he, he stepped aside, as I said, in November, and he addressed, you know, some issues in his life. And now he's back and he scored a hat trick. And that's just remarkable in, in his home debut, his first game back since and, and getting the ovation that he did get. And um, I just I had a couple. I found this quote from Bobby Ryan, and I, I thought it was really it, it really shows that he's gained a really interesting perspective. It says, Uh, People have reservations about where I'm at in my career and contract, and I understand that. 
I'm not saying I'm going to come out of this and play to the $7 million guy that I want to be as much as everybody else does. But this is a chance for me to reset and prove that I still have some years left in this league and I can still, I can play and I can contribute. In a sense, I hope it's at home because my wife and kids will be here for that. And they've earned this as much as I have. Um, just, just a really remarkable um, perspective from Bobby Ryan after going through that. And uh, Jerry D, I think, had a really great tweet as well. As I don't know Bobby Ryan. I've never met him. But, man, am I proud of him. And uh, it, was just, it was just that kind of night where everyone, regardless of who you cheer for, whatever, you're rooting for Bobby Ryan, the person. And he stepped out on that ice. And, man, it was, it was remarkable. It really was. Um, there were, you know, everyone was cheering for him. There was Canuck fans yeah. in the building. They they cheered when he came out for um, his his star twirl. And and uh, Travis Green, the the Canucks coach, spoke about um, Bobby Ryan after the game. Uh, th- this is, you know, um, this is not only a Bobby Ryan problem. It, it was a, a problem for their family. Um, so Bobby Ryan mentioned his wife, and and post game he was. He was very um, emotional, very choked about it being a family victory um, that his wife, Danielle, was the first star. Um, and, it, you know, he's going to have tough days ahead uh, as as the team goes on the road and, and um, he has temptations or challenges. Um, and he talked about wanting to play for um, for his family, play for um, his teammates, and he wants to reward uh, DJ, the coach, um, for giving him another chance. Um, he 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 said that he's he's taken everything that he had for granted. And and remember, um, let's not forget that that he was part of that very famous 2005 draft, uh, taken just after Sidney Crosby, and and uh, lots of expectations and and a burden there for him. So. Um, he went and got help, um, not taking life for granted or the sport for granted anymore. And uh, I think in, in that regard, it's a, it's a very good news story. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, just wish uh, continued uh, progress for Bobby Ryan and, and success on the ice as well, as we saw the other night um, in Ottawa. But uh, moving on, because there was another one, another good news story, and that was Jay Bomeister. And of course, we remember earlier this month, the uh, cardiac episode that occurred in Anaheim and has really left Jay Bomeister, you know, in, in the minds of, of all hockey fans. And it was great to hear from him. He had his press conference. He was back in St. Louis. He got a lovely ovation from the crowd in St. Louis. And, um, you know, he's not going to play again this season. And, you know, obviously that was probably always going to be the case uh, at this juncture. Um, but it was, he said on a couple occasions, he's, he's feeling good. And, and that's about as good as you can, can really hope for at this point, given what he just a couple of weeks ago went through in Anaheim. Um, but it was, it was great to, to hear from Jay Bomeister and it was great to see that reception that he got from the home crowd in St. Louis. Uh, Jay Bomeister is a very soft-spoken Alberta yeah. guy. He's he's not known as as the best interview, <laughs> um, but 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 that not a criticism on him. He's just no, he's no. A, he's a quiet he's a quiet guy, and that's not his thing. But he, uh, to his credit, he he spoke for twenty minutes in that press conference. It was 
quite emotional. Um, you know, uh, I, I guess that some were expecting him to come to some sort of conclusion or make an announcement. Um, as you said, he won't play the rest of this season, but um, any decision on his future is going to come later, much later in the summer. Yeah. Um, he was just there mainly to, um, I think, reassure people that he was okay after the episode in Anaheim, the cardiac episode, and then going through the procedure to have an implantable defibrillator um, uh, there implanted in his chest to, to restore his normal heart rhythm. If, if he runs into these similar problems and, and to thank everybody who reacted so quickly, the trainers, the doctors, the um, everyone. Um, and, and I, th- I thought it was interesting that, that he said he was kind of grateful uh, for the fact that it happened the way it did, although it was very dramatic, obviously collapsing on the bench, but he said that, he had kind of played this through where, where it could have happened. Um, and everyone was there. He, he got the best treatment possible. Um, by sure happenstance, his, his father, Dan was in Anaheim as part of the, the dad's trip. And he made reference to the fact that, you know, his dad being there allowed him to relay uh, information to his wife, Devin and, and reassure, um, Devin and, and he's got three young daughters, um, eight, five, and two. So it, it was, um, it was amazing to see him as positive and, uh, um, and he said he's going to be around the team and Doug Armstrong, uh, jumped in and said, you know, if you have a few pointers about the PK, um, <laughs> I w- yeah, that would be really helpful. And, and, and Bo Meester said, no, I don't want to coach, but, uh, he's going to be there, um, uh, to give, uh, a moral support to his team uh, in their uh, playoff uh, run. Yeah. And, and a presence in that locker room that, that by all accounts, everyone really appreciates. And he's just that, as you said, he's a soft spoken guy in interview, but man, like you can tell how much he is a, a such a well-respected player in that locker room. So it's, it, it was great to see him back. Um, great to, that he got that ovation. And of course, uh, great to hear that he is doing well as that is, the most that you could possibly hope for at this juncture, but um, we'll, we'll move on to uh, some Habs news, um, some, some injuries, some transactions that have taken place. Well, it was announced earlier this week that Victor Meta will be out for the remainder of this season with a fractured foot. Um, so the Montreal Canadians, obviously this has not been a year that has been overly kind to them in terms of injury and uh, Victor Meta going down, for the rest of the season um, certainly will not help the back end that has already been a little bit depleted, though they are going, going to be getting Xavier Ouellette back relatively soon, uh, nearing a return. Um, there was also Jonathan Drouin, who of course was dealing with a wrist problem earlier this season. Uh, now he's got an ankle injury. Um, so the Montreal Canadiens, uh, because of that, uh, recall Charles Houdon, it's also of note that they recalled Jake Evans due to some trades that we will be discussing in the second segment. Um, but overall, there's just been a lot of movement, including some paper transactions uh, from Carl Alsner, Xavier Ouellette as well. Um, yeah, there's just been a whole lot of movement, as there typically is this time of year. But yeah, the injury news regarding Meta and the uncertainty with Jonathan Drouin, I think, is uh, probably a, a little bit concerning uh, for the Montreal Canadiens at this moment in time. 
And we know that um, those are the players that are out of the lineup. We also know that players yeah. in the lineup are, are suffering. And um, yes. Brandon Gallagher is wearing a knee brace. And, and we know about Shea Weber coming back as quickly as he, he came back. And uh, so I think that um, as, as the Canadians get closer and closer to being mathematically eliminated, hopefully – uh, the organization will um, start resting, uh, giving these players some some time away, and um, and 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 um, yeah, allowing them to be fully ready for for next season and not risking any any further injury. Um, you know, the, some of the transactions, as you said, were just kind of paper transactions. Um, Alsner and Willette just to make them eligible for the playoffs in. Yeah. Um, uh, and the Laval Rocket, if those um, come to uh, fruition, um, there's news on the horizon that uh, Jesse Alonen, um, after he completes his two games for the Pelicans, is is uh, going to join the, the Laval Rocket. So that's good news. Um, and uh, maybe yes, Barry Kotkaniemi will have a right winger. Uh, and yeah. helping them. Um, uh, Jesse Yelonen was great in the development camp. I thought he was second only to Ryan Paling. He looked uh, very good and, and has had mm-hmm. a, a pretty good season uh, on not a very good team. So um, lots of things happening, and, and there will be con- continue to be uh, some movement. And, and like I said, much of that, much, as you said, much of it stemming from the, the trade deadline. Yeah, and yeah, there's always some movement, some sort of ramification for the moves that get made around the trade deadline. And as you said, Carl Alsner, the paper transaction to make him eligible, as well as Xavier Roulette uh, for the AHL playoffs, should that be uh, you know come to fruition, as you said. Um, but yeah, it's it's always an interesting time of year with that. And Jake Evans being back up with the Montreal Canadiens, I think, is is really beneficial because I didn't think that he really should have been sent down to begin with, but it was just sort of a numbers crunch uh, there at the end, but he's back up with the big club now. Um, and uh, back up with the big club means that he is back under the uh, supervision of Claude Julian, who uh, continues to be a little bit frustrated by the lack of results for the Montreal Canadians. And it's, it's common statements like, well, you know, we're playing a, 40-minute game, but we can't really play a full 60 minutes. Um, that He doubled down on the statement that he made last week by saying, once again, that we can't play for the players. Um, so it's at the point now where Claude Julien is, is becoming uh, pretty frustrated with everything that's going on, including uh, when he was questioned about the workload that Carey Price was carrying and playing 11 consecutive games. So Rick, before we, we, we have a clip of Claude Julian before we get there though, I mean, what has his, the frustration level that he is at right now and saying the things that he is saying, I mean, this, this is not ideal. (laughs) The, I guess it's what's surprising to me is um, just the, the gulf that he's, he's, he, he's certainly putting all the blame on the, on the players uh, mm-hmm. saying that, you know, we teach them, we tell them, we show them, uh, but we can't, you know, he said last week, you can't put on our, I can't put on my skates and do it for them. He, as you said, he doubled down on that again. Um, 
this week. Um, and it's, 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 it's just, um, um, it shows his frustration, but it's also uh, not engendering him um, very well with the players. Uh, you know, they asked about playing 60 minutes and he said, I don't know why they don't do it. It's, it's, um, it's in the game plan. All they have to do is read the game plan uh, to play 60 minutes. And, and why can't they hold the lead? And he said, honestly, I have no idea. And when the coach starts saying those kinds of things, um, you know, that he doesn't have answers, that he doesn't have any ideas, um, that the players aren't listening to him, uh, then you want start wondering if uh, the coach has lost his players, lost the room. And, yeah, as I said, we do have a clip here of Claude Julien, and you can sort of – you can hear the frustration in his voice when he talks about people questioning why Carey Price is playing the games that he's playing and why he's carried the workload that he's carried. I'm not even going there. He, he's had a break. I ask questions that make sense. To me, he's had a, a day off between every game, and he doesn't skate in the morning. So he's got nothing. He made some unbelievable saves tonight. So we're going to look at one goal that went through him and say, is he tired? How about the saves he made? Come on, guys. Really. So, yeah, that is a clip. So obviously he's frustrated. But in that moment, I mean, he is – defending his star goaltender which is at least something because you did say that there's a divide that is being formed between the players and the coach he at least stepped in for Carey Price but yeah it's it's still not it's still not ideal to have the sort of quotes coming out of Claude Julian that are coming out right now and of course this goes back to last week too scratching Archery Lekkonen and the you know the sort, uh, sort of shock that came from that uh, from guys like Philip Deneau and Brennan Gallagher, it's it's sort of becoming apparent, as you say, that there is this divide between the coach and the players. And I think um, there was quotes from, you mentioned Jake Evans earlier and back up. And, and um, as you said, we're kind of, uh, we thought he played pretty well uh, his first mm-hmm. stint. And the quotes from Jake Evans, now, mind you, he's playing nine minutes a game uh, under Claude Julien on the fourth line. Um, but, um, you know, it really down on himself, really criticism. There was a lot of self-criticism, self-doubt, um, about, uh, that he's not playing very well. And, and he feels a lot of pressure to prove, um, himself this time around and prove that he belongs in the NHL. Um, and it's, 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 it's not healthy, I don't think. And, you know, we've questioned for a long time whether Claude Julien is the right coach um, to be able to help the transition of these young prospects into the NHL. Um, And it doesn't sound like he's getting a lot of support um, from his coach. And if there's this this, uh, uh, lack of communication or this communication gulf between Julien and the players, then it's, you know, it's, it's going to be even worse for um, the younger players who don't have an established relationship with a head coach. And, and while he was sort of, you know, talking the players, talking like about the players like this, he was also heaping some praise towards Mark Bergevin saying that the moves that the decisions that he comes to are strategic. Um, so, I mean, there, there's that as well. There's that aspect of it as well, where it's, you know, obviously in this instance, I think you would have to expect a guy, a coach or a GM, um, unfortunately, to 
try to protect themselves first. And is that what we're seeing here is the protection of Claude Julian and Mark Bergevin? Well, we're, we're seeing the, the organization circle the wagons, at least the, the, yeah. the brass circle the wagons and, and um, yeah, but, um, uh, Julian said, well, you may not understand or really know what's going on, but uh, every decision that Mark Bergerman makes is strategic. And, and um, you know, that was just kind of, that followed uh, Mark Bergevin in his uh, press conference, which we'll talk about in the next segment, uh, saying that um, it was a full endorsement for the coaching staff and, and that it was uh, the message uh, that the coaching staff were sending the same kind of message that he would send if, if he was in that position. And, and it's the player's responsibility, not the coaching staff. So, um, you know, I, I think Canadians fans, do they buy it? Uh, well, we have a team that's, that's uh, going to miss the playoffs uh, uh, three, three years in a row, uh, four out of the last five. You have a coach we've talked about, Julian's record in previous podcasts about um, he's missed the playoffs five out of the last six seasons. And the only time he did um, make the playoffs was he had a head start from another coach. He had to maintain (laughs) playoff position in the last two months. So um, I I think there's there, the, the, the organization knows that the daggers are out from the fans, that somebody is going to be the fall person, um, and and they're kind of protecting each other at 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 this point. Yeah. So it, will, it remains to be seen what happens the rest of this season as it pertains to Claude Julian and this team. That you know, it's as you say, there's a bit of a divide there. And as Mark Bergevin said, he has confidence in the coach, and apparently the coach has confidence in him. So we'll see how this all turns out. We're going to take a quick break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. As Rick said, when we come back, we are going to discuss the trade deadline period. But before we go, we have uh, Steve again. I wrote a book, a full book, about my Leafs fandom called This Team is Ruining My Life. And I wrote this before they followed up a 4 nothing win against Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins when they lost to a 42-year-old Zamboni driving emergency goalie who works for them. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat and meet fellow fans. 
HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Um, before we get any further, we have Steve again. I'm not so blind that I can't see how amazing the story of David Ayers is, how amazing the story of what he did in this game is, what he did, the inspirational, unbelievable, spectacular storybook thing that he did. But behind it, on the other end of the ice, is a hockey team that truly, deeply, bitterly sucks! All right. So I think we're ready for segment two uh, on that note, on that very high note, I might add. Um, I should say that Canadians fans agree for the most part. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they, they, I think that they've, yeah, that they've come to that. This is the one thing. I think this bridges the gap between Habs and Leafs fans is that the Maple Leafs last week, Maple Leafs for the most part this season, have not been very good. And I think that we can all agree on that and, and sing Kumbaya. Um, <laughs> so we're back for the second segment of the show. And of course, what else are we going to talk about other than the trade deadline period? Because it is, as we said last week, the most wonderful time of the year, the time of the year that you can watch coverage on your favorite sports network for 12 hours or whatever it is of pure hockey talk. It is fantastic. It is the best time of the year without a doubt. And, uh, so we went into last week, um, unsure of where Mark Bergevin was really going to go. We sort of had an idea of where he would start, though. And the starting point was what he did, essentially. So we go last week, last Sunday, the Montreal Canadiens, before Monday's trade deadline, they traded Ilya Kovalchuk to the Washington Capitals for a 2023rd, um, and they retained 50% of the remaining salary for Ilya Kovalchuk which was roughly 76000 because, of course, he signed you know, a minimum contract. So not much to retain, but the Washington Capitals sort of need that help given where uh, they are uh, with the money that they are spending. Um, but we move on to deadline day itself, and the Montreal Canadiens made moves that you would expect them to make. Um, they traded Nate Thompson to Philadelphia for a, th- uh, for a fifth in 2021, excuse me. Uh, then they made one that Perhaps we didn't see, but it was because it was a bit more of an AHL move than anything else. Trading Matthew Pekka to Ottawa for Aaron Luchuk and a seventh in 2020. They traded Nick Cousins to Vegas for a fourth in 2021. And we also account for the fact that they traded Marco Scandella for a 2022nd and a conditional fourth in 2021. And also traded Phil Verone, Riley Barber for Joseph Blandisi and Jacob Lucchini um, leading up to the trade deadline period so the Montreal Canadiens were relatively active during this period Um, however they did not trade guys like Jeff Petrie and Tomas Tatar even 
perhaps Max Domi, you could say, might have been on the periphery of that. But those were the guys that you could have gotten a really nice return for, but they don't. They opt not to trade them. They opt to keep them instead. Um, but the big one, I guess, is the Ilya Kovalchuk trade. And there was some sort of – there was talk about Mark Bergevin taking that trade as a sort of a favor for Ilya Kovalchuk, and then Ilya Kovalchuk might be more inclined to re-sign in the offseason. There was that narrative floating around. Um, but, yeah, it, it seems as though that wasn't the case. We do have a clip, but, Rick, I'll get your thoughts first on the moves that were made here, and uh, specifically the Ilya Kovalchuk, uh, the, you know, the story that was potentially Mark Bergevin making that move because Kovalchuk wanted to go to Washington and play with Alexander Ovechkin. Well, we talked last week about um, the the moves and kind of separated them into categories. The unrestricted free agents, uh, getting rid of those guys, that's that's a no-brainer for a, a team that's in the position that the Canadians are in. So the unrestricted free agents being Scandella, Thompson, and Kovalchuk, that was expected, no-brainer. Um, uh, uh, the restricted free agents, we, we talked about a few of those. Uh, Cousins was the only one who went uh, to Vegas. Um, and the, the other moves um, made were to help a struggling coach in, in Laval, um, in Bouchard, and, and that was trading away some, some AHL veterans who um, didn't quite mesh with uh, the head coach, Barbara Verona and Pekka. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, um, it was... I, I would I describe them as as a seller light. Um, yeah. And you saw many of the the um, ratings of how the Canadians did, or Mark Bergevin specifically did on trade deadline day, and C C minus D, um, and and those reflect the fact that he did what he was expected to do, the easy moves. Um, he he did those. Um, now the the situation with Kovalchuk is 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 interesting. Um, you know, playing twenty two games, and uh, the narrative was the narrative that got out was that uh, Bergevin bent over backwards, wouldn't wouldn't do the right thing for Andre Markov, or didn't wouldn't treat him with respect, a player who had yeah. played almost a thousand games. But for Kovalchuk, it was. Uh, Apparently he, you know, he moved heaven and earth to move him to the right team, to the team he wanted to go to. Yes, I think Kovalchuk wanted to go to um, uh, the Washington Capitals, and why wouldn't he? Uh, great chance for for the playoffs, and and certainly um, he um, uh, has has friends there, players that he knows and 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 gets on well with. Um, but did Mark Bergevin uh, give up? Uh, a better package uh, to move Kovalchuk for to his favorite team. Well, I think maybe that was the way it was sold to Kovalchuk uh, and his yeah. agent, probably his agent more more than anything. Uh, but I think um, Mark Bergevin seemed to throw cold water on that whole idea. Yeah, and here is Mark Bergevin on on how it all transpired. To accommodate. Well, this. I mean, the, I said in French, but I always say in English. So. Obviously, we had a third from Washington. Now, possibly that I wait another day, then maybe, when I say maybe, there was conversation, there were talk, that possible maybe better, but maybe not. And if it's a maybe not and you walk away from something you have for sure, then the next day maybe you don't get as good. 
maybe that team is gone. And on top of that, keeping Kovi in the mix as far as let him know what was going on, that was a place he really didn't want to go. So I, I thought it was a win situation for, for Kovi and, and for us. Yeah, so that's that's an important thing to note is that he said maybe there would have been, but that's like anything else. So that's like anything between the time you get, maybe team gets more desperate, maybe not, you don't know. But it, yeah, well, and, it dispels that myth. It dispels that I, myth at least. Yeah, and, and as we saw in the draft, as the day went on, yes, the, there was some ridiculous price. You and I uh, were just, uh, flabbergasted by the return for <laughs> Pajot or, or, or Barkley Goodrow or um, unbelievable. But for, um, for unrestricted free agents, as the day went on, the price was coming down. So I think yeah. uh, Bergevin was wise to go ahead and uh, move uh, Kovalchuk the day before for a sure thing uh, to an organization to take what he was offered. And yeah, I, I, I think it's pretty unlikely that uh, he would have been able to get a better package uh, on uh, trade deadline day. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think that that was the, the good move and he got a third round pick, which is great. You get a third round pick for Ilya Kovalchuk when nobody else wanted him, when you signed him, that that's a win. You take that. Um, but moving on now, because we just played a clip from the press conference and after the trade deadline had passed and Mark Bergevin met with the media there was there was a lot of questions being asked of Mark Bergevin, specifically about what he is trying to do, what the course of action is, what the plan is, and there was a lot of different sort of answers. There was there was sort of I don't want to call them contradictions, but there were some you know areas where he was saying you know we want to do this, but we also kind of want to do this as well. So it was a little bit unclear what exactly Mark Bergevin wanted to do. Um, we'll start with, with a clip of him talking about what his strategy is as it pertains to building this team. So if you look at teams now that you could say the elite teams, and you could pick the one you think they are, I know the one I, I know, they're built to the draft. So that's what we're doing, that's what we'll keep doing. So uh, there's no secret recipe Uh you know, like for example, the Nick Suzuki, it's becoming a very good hockey player. And I think, you know, we gave a lot to get him, but we're sure happy and we think he's going to be here for a long time. So that's what we need to do. And these guys that need to grow together and become, you know, good players. And it's going to take time. But I mean, I know we're on the right track. So there was that statement about <laughs> Nick Suzuki, who, yes, is a great player who they did trade a lot for. If you remember, former captain Max Pacioretty. But then it begs the question, if you are keen on having guys like Nick Suzuki, then why didn't you trade other guys like maybe a Tomas Tatar or a Jeff Petrie? And Mark Bergevin was asked that a little bit later on to sort of clarify what he was talking about. And that will be apparent in this clip. And that you just talked about keeping Tatar and Petrie and not giving them up for draft picks because they're they're important to, well, are you, you mean, missing are you missing an opportunity well, to get there quicker building through the draft again we need to put a good team on the ice next year okay so uh if if we don't make the playoff and we win the lottery we're, we're already ahead of the game but that 
I could go for anybody. So that's one way to do it, but I don't have a way to control the lottery. <laughs> okay. So first he's talking about building through the draft and he also wants to ice a good team next year. So Rick, I mean, <laughs> I I don't want to say that these are contradictory statements because teams can do both. It is possible to do both, but isn't it far easier to do one instead of the other? Listen, um, you know, Talking about building through the draft and then using a player as an example uh, that you haven't drafted um, is a bit bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talking about um, you know putting all your faith in in winning the draft lottery, um, he th- this was this this press conference was an unmitigated disaster for Mark Bergevin yeah. and even the most friendly media, um, you know, were were pretty critical. Uh, Yes, Mark, if, if you watched it, uh, Mark Bergevin looked very tired and he complained several times that he had a sore back. Uh, I don't know if there was, well, I won't say, um, but, but he, he, he always has, he's always had this inability to speak in full language, uh, full sentences in either language. He kind of starts a sentence and then goes off in a completely different direction that doesn't relate to um, the, the, the previous statement. So, the the when you have one after another after another examples of that the the whole presser was incoherent um, it was confusing for for fans it was contra I'll, you don't want to say I'll say it it was very contradictory <laughs> uh, as far and and made people wonder if there indeed was a plan he talked about we're competing for the playoffs now and I, I it was just when when a when a, a, a CEO of an organization goes to the stockholders and 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 makes a presentation, uh, you want to be confident in that guy. You want to think that wow, this guy's really on top of things. Um, but it was kind of just a yeah, we kind of know what we're doing, and but it was all over the place. Just wait and see. Just <laughs> be patient. Um, and if he can't communicate his thoughts to a mostly let's be honest, a mostly friendly room. Um, that he's in. Um, I don't know. It was, it was bizarre. It it was, yeah. It was not a very good press con, not a very good performance by Mark Bergevin. And before we move on and, and sort of compare the philosophy that he has to other GMs, uh, specifically in Canada, I'm just going to play one more clip about the core group and what he believes going forward. Well, futures, I'm, I'm not going to talk just about, you mentioned these guys, but I'm not putting these guys in the conversation. I'm talking general. Uh, we still need and feel that we are right now still com- competing, okay? Uh, the guys that we have moved, uh, at most of the time, they were either on the fourth line and some been in on the lineup. They were useful part, but I have to look at the short term and long term and bringing Jake in, and there'll be other guys coming up. I think it helps us. Again, I have to look as a general manager at the big pictures, not only at what's going on now, but our core hasn't changed. And the guys I feel that will help us keep fighting for a playoff spot and moving forward next year are still on the team. Okay, so as you pointed (laughs) out, still said he's competing for a playoff spot. (laughs) We're competing for a playoff spot this year? 
it's point zero three percent. It's it's yeah. it's unreachable. <laughs> I don't know who he's trying to convince, but um, the Canadians are not. Uh, and and okay, that explains his philosophy that he didn't want to trade any major pieces that are going to affect his ability to make the playoffs this season or next season. But they're not. That's why he didn't look at you know the, Pittsburgh reached out for Domi. He said absolutely not. Um, yeah. I, you know, on draft deadline day, um, I don't I don't remember what time it was. It was in the morning. It was probably about eleven thirty that we heard that Chris Kreider was off the market, right? Uh, he had re-signed in in with the Rangers, and and okay, you you you, you rub your hands together. All right, Mark, go to work. Um, mm-hmm. The 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 pri- the price for Thomas Tatar just shot through the roof. And you go, and yep. it's not like it came out just before the deadline. It happened way before the 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 deadline happened. So he had plenty of time to to work. And then you you know this press conference afterwards, you realize, uh, or Jeff Petrie, whoever, what it was, we said the prices were ridiculous uh, for hockey deals. Um, and, and and for those fans, I saw people posting, oh, don't worry. If they if they trade them at next year's deadline, they'll get the same amount. Well, of course they won't. Of course <laughs> they won't. Yeah. Not as it's... as pending UFAs next year. Um, no. uh, that's silly. This was the opportunity to strike, but he didn't want to affect his playoff chances this year. He didn't want to affect his playoff chances next year. What to scrape into the playoffs? Um, this team is not going to be. Um, an elite team next year based around what they have now. Uh, And this just sets up for more of the same. This is eight years, Mm -hmm. May 2nd, 2012. I I don't, I don't buy this nonsense that, that uh, you can just, you know, hit the, the, the restart button on your PlayStation game. Uh, Mark Bergevin talks about, uh, uh, trades not being able as <laughs> as as easy on, on as it is on PlayStation. Well, neither can you take your tenure and just restart the whole thing just because you said the the first five years plan went down the drain. Uh, this is eight years, and next year is looking a, like it's going to be a lot like um, we've seen. Um, and 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 that's not good enough. And just nipping around the edges with. Uh, with fringe players when you, you had the opportunity. This is a terrible season, a terrible mm-hmm. season, a disappointing season, and, and Habs fans are completely disenchanted. But even they would have some hope if you did something, if you did something that, that, that bold, something took advantage of the opportunity that was laid in your lap. And Mark Bergevin just kind of tiptoed around, around it at the trade deadline. And with that, I want to compare Mark Bergevin to two general managers in in Canada. Uh, The first being Ken Holland, who I really liked what what Ken Holland said after his trade deadline day, where early in the morning uh, he acquired Mike Green, then he acquired Andreas Antonisiu, then he acquired um, uh, Tyler Ennis. And unfortunately, two of those three players are dealing with injuries now, and Mike Green will be out for an extended period of time. But having not known any of that, Ken Holland in his press conference said the following, no risk, no gain. And if the Montreal Canadiens were serious 
about wanting to build through the draft or even icing a good team next year, then you trade Tomas Tatar and Jeff Petrie because then you head into this offseason with an incredible amount of flexibility, a whole lot of assets, and potentially you could have gotten a guy that was a prospect on a, on, a, on a team that wasn't getting an opportunity to play in the NHL that you could have used, that you would have gotten in return for one of those guys, be it Tomas Tatar or Jeff Petrie. And the other guy that I thought had a fantastic day, and as you said, when Montreal Canadiens fans are becoming disenfranchised, you know who else is, or disenchanted, excuse me, you know who else was disenchanted? Ottawa Senators fans. But what has Pierre Dorian done? Just as quickly as he was the guy that was getting all the blame when he traded for Matt Duchesne and it didn't work out, what did he do? He traded Matt Duchesne, Ryan Dezingle, and Mark Stone at the height of their value last year, got Tali Abramov, got Eric Brandstrom, and then this year trades Pajot for a remarkable package. And just as quickly as the Ottawa Senators looked like they would be a laughingstock, they are right back in it, have a fantastic, I think that their core was basically on par, or excuse me, their prospect pool was basically on par with the Montreal Canadiens as it was. Now they have three first round picks. So this is not going to be, you know, they're not going to be the perennial punching bag in the Atlantic division. They are in a really good spot. And it's because Pierre Dorian, who said that he was the most emotional he ever was when he was calling Jean-Gabriel Pajot to tell him about the trade to the Islanders. He made that trade. It was tough for him, but he made that trade. And Mark Bergevin, I understand the, the want, the wanting, the desire to ice a good team next year, but I mean, Tomas Tatar and Jeff Petria, it, it's hard for me to believe that they are going to be, back as good as they look right now next season. It just, it just doesn't seem likely to me. And I think this would have been a good time for him to remove the emotional aspect and, and pull the trigger on something, as you said. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, you know, but, but the, 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 the problem is that, that Mark Bergevin is enabled, I guess, um, by his, his owner, um, who's not likely to, to do much. And, you know, at this time, at this point, I think um, Jeff Molson is, you know, he got presented this season with a plaque uh, for the Bell Center's recycling efforts. And I think he was more thrilled about that uh, because he, he, he's not doing the kinds of things that an owner would do to indicate that, that the organization uh, is, is, places a high priority on winning the Stanley cup. Um, And, and he's enabled by, by friendly media. And you saw that after this just absolute disaster of a press conference um, that all of a sudden there was, there was little, little stories coming out. Um, And um, Dave Poulin on the broadcast said, uh, Oh, uh, the Canadians are still in the the playoff hunt. So uh, they're they're not going to do anything. And, Expect that Mark Bergevin is going to be the busiest general manager next summer. Uh, Pierre Lebrun said, you just watch for fireworks from, from uh, Mark Bergevin this summer. I've talked to GMs and, and Mark Bergevin is going to make a huge splash. And people like Lavoie and Ingalls and, and, and chimed right in. Um, and, and it's always, um, <laughs> for Canadians fans, it's, it's always look over there. Um, uh, you know, the, the the whole uh, uh, philosophy of the Montreal Canadiens used to be, 
remember how good we were in the past. And now it's been so long ago that, that they know they can't do that any, anymore. So it's always just over there. Um, oh, it's, it's going to happen just, and this was supposed to be a, a just over there season, uh, which it isn't, but now it's, oh, just wait till next summer. Um, mm-hmm. And, and again, because of that, um, if we can spend a couple of minutes on, on this um, uh, that just came out uh, today, um, uh, again, terrible press conference. And so uh, a softball interview is arranged uh, with uh, Matthias Brunet of, of La Presse. Um, Mark Bergevin is, is surrounded, which is odd. We talked about Paul Wilson getting more um, responsibility in the organization, more influence in the organization. Uh, Mark Bergevin goes to a, a softball interview with La Presse with, flanked by, Paul Wilson, his uh, VP of Communications, <laughs> and uh, John Sedgwick, his VP of, of, of Legal. They're there to ensure that the journalist follows the, 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 the pre-approved script uh, that they've all agreed on. Um, but he talks about uh, just wait till the summer. Um, he talks about next year. Next year, Nick Suzuki is going to be an impact center. Next year, uh, Jesperi Kotkinemi is going to be bigger and stronger. Next year, Jonathan Duran is going to be uh, the the um, offensive player that we've they traded for. Um, next year, uh, the first line trio led by Phil Deneau who's mired in a, a no goals in 18 games uh, drought, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. next year, there's going to be Alexander Romanov. Um, and he hints that um, he's going to, to um, sacrifice uh, a forward uh, to improve the defense um, over the summer. Um, so again, it's, it's, it's saying, don't worry, we've got things in hand. Um, it's 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 next year and they talk about oh well uh the second year uh the second five-year plan was approved in april 2018 by jeff molson um really really um (laughs) but i think the most important one of the most important things out of this um for me um was something that that We've been saying, and the AHL report team, Amy Johnson, we, we went and saw uh, Cole Caulfield in November. Um, and I said, you know, this guy's not ready. Um, he needs another year uh, in the NCAA. And to his credit, and I guess he's listening to um, his, his uh, scouts. Um, and um, uh, we have uh, Rob Ramage, we have Frankie Bullion that, that are in the development uh, game. Uh, maybe it's a NCAA scout like uh, Nick Carrier. Uh, but um, Mark Bergevin said, Cole Caulfield is having a good year, but in our eyes, he's not ready. We're going to encourage him to stay at Wisconsin. Um, even if he came to Laval, Laval is a league of men um, and he'll struggle there. Uh, so, Cole Caulfield is uh, who was going into his uh, the last uh, couple of games of the regular season uh, for Wisconsin this weekend um, was kind of had his heart set on joining the Canadians at the end of the season. 
And it looks like that's not going to come through. And, and part of it is that right now his game is, is very one dimensional. And I've, I've, I've said that many times and, and even tr- Tony Granato, his coach there has, has said recently, um, well, his commitment to being engaged all over the ice is improving, but we're, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> um, so um, this is, this is going to, uh, pop the balloons of, of a number of, of uh, Habs fans who truly expected to see uh, Cole Caulfield you know, make, make his debut in the Canadiens lineup at the end of the season, but counted on him being um, you know, on the power play uh, and uh, part of the Montreal Canadiens next season. Um, it's a good decision, but it, I, it's, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Yeah, and of course, when that happens, when when he says that outright about Cole Caulfield, then the eyes sort of turn towards Alexander Romanov, who the conversation around him has sort of been that he is probably going to be in the NHL next season, which is good news for the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, when you look at the left side of their defense, I mean, they certainly need a little bit of help and... It remains to be seen what sort of impact he can have, uh, given, you know, he'll be new to the North American, you know, uh, and, and to the NHL. But that seems that might be a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a, an uplifting piece of news for Montreal Canadiens fans who will want something, you know, some sort of new guy, new shiny toy that they can celebrate. <laughs> But even with Romanov coming in, you you see that at least Mark Bergevin is acknowledging, even with the addition of him, that that the uh, defense is still not good enough, and they're going to have to upgrade yeah. uh, and bring in a top four, and may have to sacrifice um, um, an offensive player, Thomas Tatar, to, to do that in the summer. So now, as the trade deadline has passed us by, we turn our direction we turn and look at the future which is the summer and that's the next time that the Montreal Canadiens will have the ability to make those sorts of moves and it remains to be seen to what extent they will be making moves Um, so but that one is one that is on the mind of Mark Bergevin at this point in time then I think that that might be a an appropriate course of action given the defense that we've seen this year for the Montreal Canadiens but Rick I guess that'll wrap up this segment on the trade deadline for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, but we'll check back in with Steve before we go to break. They just lost to a 40 million on the pony driver who works for the team! All right, so that's Steve. Uh, we're going to go on a quick break here the Canadiens Connection podcast. Stay with us here on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. 
a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. We're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. So obviously we just had a long discussion about the trade deadline and, and what Mark Bergevin did. Um, but now that the trade deadline is come and gone, we only have the season left to play out. Um, we're almost into March now, which is which is wild. This season has uh, really flown by. It's fun when you're on a roller coaster, but uh, this isn't really a fun roller coaster <laughs> to be on. Um, <laughs> but uh, Rick, tonight the Carolina Hurricanes in town. Uh, Charlie Lindgren going to break up uh, Carey Price's long streak of games played consecutively, which is good because, you know, you don't want to ride Carey Price into the ground um, in meaningless games. Um, but, I mean, the uh, Carolina Hurricanes last week, like we saw, I mean, un- unfortunately losing uh, a couple of goalies, uh, Brett Pesci as well. So, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see what they have in store. Um, Rob Brindamore, obviously, we know, coaches a very uh, good team in Carolina. Um, so Habs and uh, the Carolina Hurricanes go tonight at the Bell Center. So it'll be a uh, interesting one to watch, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if Charlie Lindgren really sort of grabs hold of uh, of that backup role as we head down the stretch and presume that perhaps he will have a little bit more work in the remainder of this season. We don't know that for sure, but uh, I think that would probably be a wise thing to do just to see what you have in, uh, in Charlie Lindgren. A very wise thing to do. And we've said, you know, Carey Price leads the league in terms of, of uh, games started, minutes played, saves, shots, all of that. And, and uh, yeah. his workload needs to, to be uh, reduced as we go along. And, and I think there was just a, you know, uh, a reluctance to acknowledge the Canadians' position where they were and, and with respect to the playoffs up till now. Would have been nice to see Charlie on um, uh, against the, the New York Rangers, the ability to play yeah. against his brother. And uh, um, Charlie spoke about, you know, um, how rugged a game that, that um, uh, his brother Ryan plays. And, and we saw that uh, Brennan Gallagher got into it a bit with, <laughs> Ryan Lindgren and and we've seen clips about him with uh, Ryan Lindgren and Marshawn and yeah uh, but 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 good good news for Charlie he's going to be rusty tonight after uh, it's been a long time since uh, he hasn't played he's been uh, of course practicing with Kerry not not participating in practice 
very yeah. much, uh, but it's still going to take some time for him to um, get back to form. And, and we hopefully um, he'll have regular starts. So he'll be able to do that. Uh, Xavier Willette um, hasn't quite got med- medical clearance yet, but he's expected to have that in time for tonight's game. And he'll be in the lineup against the hurricanes. And of course the hurricanes are, are playing for their playoff lives and uh, made some yeah. some interesting additions there at uh, at the the trade deadline to to shore up their defense uh, with Dougie Hamilton being out. So um, it's going to be a good game. Um, on the other uh, side of of our coverage, we have the AHL Report team, and and they'll be keeping their eyes on the Laval Rocket. Uh, the Rocket are are in Utica playing the Comets. Uh, right now, uh, the um, the Rocket find themselves uh, three games, uh, or sorry, three points back uh, of uh, the Syracuse Crunch. The Syracuse Crunch, the the winners of last night's uh, game. Uh, but there's a bit of a horse race between the uh, the Marlies, uh, the Rocket, the Devils, the Crunch, um, and even tonight's um, opponent, the, the Utica Comets. So uh, follow the AHL report on Twitter, go to AHL.report for the game recap. And and, uh, we'll keep you updated on all the action with both the Canadians and the Laval rocket. Yes. And certainly as the Canadians attention turned from the NHL playoffs to the AHL playoffs a couple of weeks ago, you're certainly going to want to follow along with the AHL reports coverage of games. And of course the AHL reports podcast from the press box that you can listen to uh, the records on Tuesdays. Um, you can listen to that on all your favorite podcast platforms, Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play. And that's where you can find this podcast as well. Just search for Rocket Sports Radio and hit that subscribe button. Uh, we're proud here on Rocket Sports Radio to have two podcasts produced and hosted by credentialed journalists. So, Rick, with all that said, uh, we'll pack it in for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And uh, next week, we'll be talking about all things uh, Montreal Canadiens related as we head on down the road towards the uh, end of the season. Um, almost, as I said, we're going to be into March next week, which is, uh, which is wild that the season has flown by this quickly. But of course, that means that we have uh, lots of things to talk about as the season winds down. So thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. We'll be back one, next week at 1 p.m. Eastern. That is 2.30 Newfoundland time. Thanks for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.